and welcome back to Unseen, the podcast where we chat about some of the brilliant projects happening at Queen's Hall Arts Centre in Hexham. Each episode will go behind the scenes and lift the curtain on all of the planning, inspiration and graft that it takes to turn amazing ideas into amazing projects. And here in the studio today, we have uh, me, I'm Bridie Jackson, and we also have Dominic Smith with us. Hello. (laughs) And we also have Katie Taylor. Hello. And in the first few episodes of this podcast, um, we've been doing a bit of a deep dive into the Unsung Heroes, which is a project celebrating local people through song who have made a difference to their communities. And if you want to find out a bit more about this fantastic project, then my advice to you is to go and check out episode one of the podcast where we talk about it and get into a little bit more depth about what that project's about. But in this particular episode, um, we're going to be looking at um, a song and the people involved in the creation of the song called A Letter of Thanks Never Sent, which was written for the many volunteers and community workers who were nominated for this project. Um, And between them, these people devote their energies to supporting charity shops, clothes and food banks, meal delivery services, activity centres for dementia sufferers, and making craft items for charitable causes. The commonality between their stories was a deep humility and an inspirational drive to help others. And I was lucky enough to have a chat with a few different volunteers for this particular podcast. The first was local volunteer Stephen Hope. And in the chat, there's also um, his friend Kate Gessie, who actually nominated Stephen for the project. And these two are really great pals, bonded by a love of singing and also ale. Um, And so this was a really fun chat. Should we have a listen to it? So first of all, um, I obviously know both of you already from the amazing Tyndale Community Choir and various other places and things and events. Uh, But we're actually here today to talk about the Unsung Heroes Project, which um, Kate actually nominated Stephen for way back in 2020. So we're going to start by, it would be great if you could just um, tell me a little bit about, introduce yourselves, tell me a little bit about how you know each other and how Stephen came to be nominated for the Unsung Heroes Project in the first place. So I don't know who wants to go first. (laughs) Shall I? Yes. Um, yeah, right. So uh, I know Stephen, I think I first met you at choir. I think that's yep. correct. Um, Tyndale Community Choir. And we started going down the pub. And we, I think we discovered that we had a, a shared love of loud, raucous pub singing. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just became very good friends, didn't we? Yes. He's my singing, singing chum, became yes. my singing chum. Um, and you, more than just a singing chum, you've become a chum chum. So, you know, you've come and spent Christmas with us a few times. Yeah. And, um, we've celebrated birthdays together and that sort of thing. So, mm. yeah. Anyway, so do you want to know why I nominated him or would you like Stephen to tell you how he I met would, me? I would, <laughs> I would love... 
you know why you nominated Steve? Obviously, I already know, but the people who are listening yes. may not. So if you if you would if you wouldn't mind, that would be wonderful. Right. I because it's such a long time ago, I can't quite remember the sequence of lockdowny things and what you were and weren't allowed to do. But I do remember um well, Stephen came to my daughter's wedding, which was the last thing the weekend before lockdown on the 14th of March 2020. And that was the last time we saw him for a while. But even though we weren't allowed to meet or see each other, these things started turning up in our porch. And we got phone calls from Stephen saying, I've just dropped you off um, a cake. Or <laughs> oh, how lovely. Or, um, uh, I've, I've, I mean, it started as a weekly cake, then chocolate turned up and the odd bottle of wine and when we were actually allowed to be in each other's gardens, we'd stick a chair outside and we'd have a natter. Um, but that's what he did for us um, all the time during this time. Well, as far as I'm aware, Stephen will correct me whether it started straight away. But Stephen, who works at the community centre, Hexham Community Centre, um, was put on furlough, like lots of people, and so not working. But one of the things he used to do, and again, Stephen will tell you more about this, was do a lunch as part of his job for uh, a group of old age pensioners. Yes. At the community centre. Mostly. And obviously, furlough, lockdown, that all stopped. But Stephen wouldn't let it. So he, off his own bat and with consultation with other people, um, organised a sort of, not a Meals on, well, it was like a Meals on Wheels. Meals on Wheels. I called meals it on Meals on Wheels. Yeah. Meals on wheels for those particular people and, in and fact, others. others and others. Um, and you've got a team of volunteers to come and deliver. And those people who were even more isolated than they already had been got that meal. They got someone bringing food round. And I don't know whether there were the odd conversations on the doorstep, but, you know, seeing another person. Mm -hmm. um, so quite a big deal, really. It's a huge, huge deal. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine that it just from speaking, just hearing what you have said, Kate, that all of the people that received those kindnesses, it must have meant a huge amount to them, especially at such a difficult time when it was very hard to connect with people. And I, I think it's amazing. And Stephen, from your perspective, it would be brilliant to hear a little bit about what that what it was like for you to do that work at that time. Oh, yes. Well, when it first all kicked off, well, we didn't quite know what to do with ourselves. Um, so there was about a fortnight's hiatus, and I was, I was chatting with my boss, and I said, you know, we've got to do something. Yeah. <laughs> we can't just, just drop it like that, and there's all these people. Uh, plus there were all the people at the time, lots of them who, had to, who were doing what they called shielding, at the time, which meant they weren't allowed out of the doors. It was, they were absolutely trapped. And uh, some of my people were, were that, and there were other people as well. So we saw, we set up the, uh, the, the Meals on Wheels, and we got supplied with food from uh, an organisation called Fair Share. I don't know if you've come across them, uh, where chunks of stuff would arrive. We never knew what you were going to get, but we would split it up. And with the meals, we would take this 
this stuff out to, you know, whoever uh, was was on our lists, and you know, people just I, can't, I don't know how I got all the people I got. Obviously, I had my core, yeah, people that I normally deal with. Um, but I think people were just referred. You know, someone said, "Oh, what about Mrs. So and So?" And you know, we got. <laughs> the, the, the poor soul's got a parcel and a meal the next week. Um, so it was, it was that sort of thing. It was, it was very good. And it grew. It did grow. <laughs> yeah. After, I, I couldn't tell you exactly what the, the total was. I think it was about 40, My 40 goodness. different people uh, that we were taking stuff to. And we just kept going with that. And we kept going with, in fact, there are still three people that I'm delivering to now. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, we, we were able to reopen the lunch club. And some, some people were, were back and that's back up and running. But there's two or three people who, over the course of the um, pandemic, it was so became so wobbly, mm. <laughs> if I can put it that way. It, they would, it wouldn't be safe, I didn't think, for them to come in. Um, so we still keep in touch and they still get a meal. Um, Talking of keeping in touch, one of the th- other things I haven't mentioned is, as well as doing these meals, Stephen would ring them up. Oh, yes? yeah. yeah. All of them? Uh, it, it, most of them most once of them. a week to check how they were, whether they'd yeah. enjoyed the meal, if someone hadn't come. Just yeah. check how they're doing. So, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. Yes, 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 I did that, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it seems like part of what, yeah, what you're getting at, it it, it was, yes, of course, it was keeping sort of, it, it was feeding people, but it was way more than that. It was about providing a really important lifeline and yeah. that sort of keeping body and soul together, like making sure people knew someone cared and that, keeping that really important vital yeah. connection alive as well. Indeed. I, mean, I've, I always say that the food's incidental to some extent. Nice to have it, yeah. but it's the, it's the meeting and chatting and, you know, playing war with each other and saying, sort of thing. It's the most important part of it, the socialisation. That's the posh word for it, isn't it? Yeah. the posh word. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, it, I, I mean, I know you a little bit, Stephen, and I, it's you come across as someone that's very sort of extremely humble. So it, you may find it a little bit awkward to answer this, but do, did you get a sense from what people were saying that sort of ha- how how they felt about it, the level of which they appreciated what you would what you were doing for them? Yes, which is uh, I. People were saying, "Oh, it's wonderful! You're a marvelous person," or which, of course, <laughs> absolutely turns me over. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I grinned, I grinned and bore it. <laughs> and, uh, That's um, hilarious. <laughs> and uh, you know, it was very nice. I have to say, I never felt unsung. I love that. I never felt. Never felt unsung. That's such yeah. <laughs> well good. That's a good thing because it's it's so important to acknowledge that the things that people do 
you know, for the for 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 other people without expecting anything in return, it's it's yeah. phenomenal that people are willing to do that, especially during very trying times. Which I guess leads me to my next question, which is that Kate then reached out and decided to nominate you, and I, I sort of it would be really interesting to know, sort of from both of your perspectives, what led to that, what happened there. Kate, I think we were in one of our sort of regular chats and Kate said to me, there's this thing they're looking for. It's something to do with the Queen's Hall. Um, and they're looking for people to, they were looking for people, you know, to who were doing things about the pandemic and all this sort of thing. So he says, so she said, I've nominated you. <laughs> I said, have you? <laughs> oh, oh, that's nice. <laughs> and, uh, and at that point, I forgot about it. Uh, <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> uh, and uh, it was it wasn't until much later that I realised that there was there was quite a lot going on about it. Really, um, she probably knows more about it than I do. Um, yeah. So let her tell her a bit from there. Yeah. Well, all all I would say is is I saw the call out for. You know, do you know any? I can't even remember what it said, but there must have been some sort of publicity that the Queen's Hall or you sent out saying, you know, do you know anyone who's gone above and beyond? And I thought, oh, I do. So, <laughs> so I shoved his name down. Absolutely. But no more deserving person. Yeah, absolutely. Sure there is. <laughs> well, there are, yes. That's true. There are. Yeah. But you are definitely well-deserving of it. Definitely up there. Um, yeah. And okay. I, um, I, it seemed also, Stephen, that during that time and after it, you were a bit of a star in the Hexham Quran. It was just like, basically seemed like every week there was some mention of you and what you were doing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Lovely. That was my boss's fault. Um, you know, she said... She... So uh, she took a, she took some pics and sent them into the crowd because there was a bit of a, a, a an article about it, yeah, uh, which was very nice. It wasn't a bad picture of me, I didn't think, um, but it kept resurfacing and they kept using it over and over again. <laughs> Isn't it with one of those keep calm and keep baking pinnies? Is yeah, that keep right? Keep calm and carry on. That's it. Keep I calm. Was, <laughs> that was a secret Santa present. We do this secret Santa business at work. I'm sure other places do it as well. And that was my 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 secret Santa present one year. And I thought it couldn't be more appropriate to the situation, really. Absolutely. <laughs> it, they, they foresaw that, I think. <laughs> I've had it for a couple of years. They must have known. <laughs> Amazing. One of the really interesting things about having these conversations, spoken to so many volunteers about why they do what they do. And the the answers have been really wide ranging. Um, and some of some people have just been like, oh, I don't know, it just seems like the right thing to do. Some people have sort of said it's the sense of working with others. It's, it's a sense of doing something for their local community where they can actively see the impact that what they're doing has. Um, some people are actually really sort of candid about the fact that it's really good for them too it's a, it's a two-way thing it's really good for the community but it's also brilliant for them and it would be really interesting I guess to kind of hear from both of you your thoughts on yeah on Stephen sort of why you d- 
do or did what you did and how what it was like for you from the other side it was oh gosh it's it, i mean i'm involved i work at the community center it comes it's it's in the name if you know what i mean um uh, so i'm sort of used with getting involved with with stuff locally and and things like that and i think that's normal Ah, okay. So you just think everybody, everyone's invested Every, in their community. And everybody does this, don't they? <laughs> does stuff for other people. and Yeah. yeah. And if they don't, they should. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because, again, nearly lots of people have said that too. That To them, it's just so much part of their nature. They just sort of assume it's it's normal. Yeah. Which is, I, I, I have to say, I, I don't think it is. Ever, I don't think everybody does quite thinking that way um and I guess that's that's why you're so deserving of the nomination because I don't think it is I what do you think about all of this Kate well well I know that he was doing it before things like that um not not not, yeah he was doing things like that before the pandemic because for years he's been cooking the breakfast on after Tyndale have got up very very early on the first bank holiday after May Day and cooked a breakfast at the community centre for us all uh, after we sing in the bandstand. So, you know, he's done that. Nobody made him do that. He's done it year on year on year. <laughs> Did it this year for the first time in two years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we um, missed two years. Yeah. And also, yeah. Stephen, didn't you also conduct, if, if I recall, if I've seen if the photos are correct? Oh, God, it's so embarrassing. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, I've seen the picture, the videos. I look, I look like a dancing bear. It's uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, never mind. No well, penny this time, though. No well, penny this time. Yourself from the back very often. It's 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 just, and I'm sort of standing there, swaying <laughs> from side to side. But uh, I, you have my utmost admiration, Bridie. I found it very, very hard to work. Oh yes, I, I'm all right with it. Bring I can cook the breakfasts, no problem. But oh god! Yeah, we we have a thing about starting notes. That's our little <sighs> bet noir. <laughs> Stephen, when we're in the pub, and Stephen starts a, a song. I say, ah, "Key of she, Dad." She, <laughs> key of convenience. She doesn't say anything now. I just look at her face, and I think oh, it's the wrong note. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, <laughs> oh, I the love key it. of Stephen. We <laughs> the key of Stephen. <laughs> On the key of Stephen. Yeah, I, there might be a song <laughs> in there. <laughs> I really Christmas. think that, yes, I think I think we might have to pen that next. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's obviously this whole conversation has just been peppered, as, it, as I expected it would be, with references to music and to singing, because both of you are really passionate about music and that's how you met. And it would be really interesting to kind of hear your perspectives on, obviously, this project. It was about celebrating people and telling stories through music. And I'm kind of wondering what your experience of that is and what you what you think of music being used as a kind of medium for this type of work. Well, I think it's, it's always been done, hasn't it, to some extent. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, people have, I mean, I mean... It's not quite the same, but you know, there are how many ballads of Robin Hood are there? You know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, 
uh, and things like that and all these these different sort of folk heroes or whatever it happens to be that have cropped up. And, uh, oh, gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm classing myself as a folk hero now. Oh, that's bad. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. And so, yeah, I think it's a, a sort of natural outlet for, yeah. for such things. And yeah. Yeah. What, it's inevitable. That's really interesting that it's inevitable, like people are just going to do it, do it anyway. They're going to write songs anyway. <laughs> what about you, Kate? Yeah, well, I, I sort of agree with Stephen because although I'm not very good at it, if, if there's something I want to write a song about, I, I have a go. Because And Stephen writes poetry and sometimes we set them to music, don't we? We have done. Yeah. We have done. Some yes. of them are not always repeatable, but yeah. About experiences. And really that's yeah. what those songs are. They're, they they are chronicling the ex- some of the experiences and people and what they did during yes, the we, pandemic. We, we did one about the... Um, being on the lifeboat. Whitby. Yes, in Whitby. Yeah. The song. Ooh. Yes. Yeah. We, we were singing shanties on, yes. the, on the lifeboat, on a trip on the lifeboat around the, oh, around wow. the bay. And uh, we, at one point we realised we were at the back of the boat. Everybody else was at the front. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm, I, I really want a rendition of this song. Oh, I, remember it. I remember it was called Singers in the Stern. But that's, that's right, the remember. Singers in the Stern. If it wasn't for the Singers in the Stern. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds rousing. Amazing. Yeah, yeah it, it, there is something. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm a singer and a musician too, so I would, I would think that, that, that it is just a sort of a second nature to me to kind of make sense of the world and to chronicle life through mm. writing songs about things that are happening and obviously folk is a really important vehicle for doing that isn't it and it always it always has been as a way of kind of yeah and art, jazz and blues yeah uh, yeah yeah absolutely many other art forms as well yeah many other types of music as well yeah absolutely Oh, it's so nice to talk to you both about all of this. I just always love any opportunity to like ramble on, especially to fellow fellow artists and musicians. It's just really fun. <laughs> he doesn't like being called a fellow artist or musician, do you? Yeah, I'm so humble. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, it's messing with your brand, Stephen, isn't it? Your, hum- <laughs> your, hum- your humble brand. Yeah, that's, right. that's got to go in the song. Yeah, I think humble, humble brand. He's humble. He's just, he's so humble. It sounds like Uriah Heep. Yeah. <sighs> Never mind. Like who? Uriah, Uriah Heep. Heep. David Dickens. Copperfield. Yeah. Ever so oh, humble, Mr. I'm Copperfield. So humble. <laughs> I see. I see. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, and obviously, Kate, you come to this project with several hats <laughs> because you... Uh, obviously, you nominated Stephen for this project, yes. But you are also perform. You are also performing and recorded one of the other songs, which is uh, was nominated by two other choir members for your choir leader, Kat Davison. So you are very much the kind of uh, the Venn diagram of this project. <laughs> All everything sort of leads back to Kate Gessie <laughs> on this project. Oh, that's embarrassing. <laughs> 
No, it's great. It's really good. Um, And obviously the song that you did in lockdown, you did a multi-track version of a song. You did three different parts? Yes, three parts. Yeah. Yeah. Because we weren't allowed to sing together with anybody else. Yeah. So there was just me and I don't play an instrument. So I said, the only way I'm not going to sing it, just me singing it, (laughs) because what's the point? So um, you said some parts and I fiddled with them a bit and then I recorded myself singing all three parts. Yeah. Doesn't sound as nice as when you've got three different voices, I think. I like blends of voices myself. Yeah, I agree. And it is really lovely to have a a mix of voices, which sort of leads us perfectly into the fact that for the performance of the the celebration of the Unsung Heroes Project, it's going to be you with other members of the Hex Pistols, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Two two other members, yeah. So, Kate, do you want to talk a little bit about the hex pistols because not everybody might have heard of you although i'm sure most people will have of course oh well the hex <laughs> pistols um hex pistols are a, a court we yeah we start our very very first gig ever was um supporting bridie jackson uh at the <laughs> moot hall and i think there were six of us i'm trying to think how many of us there were four five six there might have been eight i can't remember how many of us there are there were. Um, and most of us had met through Charlie's choir, Charlie Buchanan's choir. Um, and we just decided we wanted to sing together. So we did. Uh, and it's sort of over the next few years, it sort of petered out. Well, not petered out, but whittled itself down to a hard core. Uh, and there are four of us now. We're a quartet. Um, Ali, Les, Lizzie and me. And we're called the Hex Pistols because Jenny, who used to be in the Hex Pistols, husband um, works for, owns, is a director of something, of Viz magazine. And he came up with the name, the Hex Pistols, which is very good. Very good. That's such an accolade. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we we always wear pink, bright pink and bright yellow, um, like the, never mind the <clears throat> uh, album by the, by the other group. <laughs> Oh, we always start our well, we don't always. We're not going to when we do a Jubilee thing. But um we did we did uh, the festival at the weekend over at Forgotten Lands and we started with Anarchy in the UK, but a very, very tiny little bit sung very beautifully. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love yeah, it. But so we, much. we don't sing anything like Sex Pistol songs. We just sing old, old songs in beautiful four-part harmony. And we love it. For me personally. You cannot beat the the feeling you get when you're singing with other people. Yes, sort of spine tinglingly wonderful. Yeah. I I agree. And of course, in lockdown, that 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 took a back seat completely. Yeah, yes. I did because because obviously, Cat kept the choir going during lockdown. She did masterfully carried on with it. Um, did you both? Did you both join? Were you both involved in the Zoom choir? When I, I bought a computer. <laughs> you bought a computer? <laughs> I didn't have one before. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, quite a few choirs did did do Zoom. So mm. I, I was, I think I was doing about five or six because I needed to sing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're right, though. It was really important that those opportunities didn't just stop during lockdown. Yeah, but, but you were just sing, singing on, on your own. That was yes. a your own, slightly yeah. scary thing. Some people didn't like it at all. 
Yeah, absolutely. It held it held a space that needed to be held, but nothing comes close to the the glorious feeling of singing with others, does it? I mean, no. it's well, half of the thing about the, the, the choir is that it's the companionship. Yeah, at least half. It's. Uh, I, I mean, I know when I first. I think I, I'm going to sound overly dramatic. Oh, surely not, Stephen. Um, <laughs> But I think joining the community choir saved my life. It really wow. did. Um, uh, one, an Australian friend of mine told me I had to join the choir. Yeah. Um, and I went, went to, the, I was recommended community choir, so I went, I went and joined them there. Second, by the second rehearsal, yeah. I was absolutely hooked. Really? <laughs> but I was a bit lost at the time. Um, my mother had died about a year or two years before, uh, and I looked after her um, until she died. And you sort of think, what am I going to do now? And joining the choir was just so important for me. And I feel I've acquired a second family. Oh, that's that's it's part so of lovely. our family. Yeah, We're part of our family, definitely. Well, okay, a third family that you know. That's so, that's so powerful. It's so powerful that you feel that way. And I've heard lots of other choir members say, not quite, not quite as sort of poetically as you put it, but but yeah, that same feeling of just like this was just such an important lifeline at a point in my life when things were quite difficult. And I found a I found a second, like another a new community and a new and a new family. And it and it is really powerful, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Oh, thank thank you for sharing that. I, I remember the, the my first awareness of Kate. I've never told her this. <laughs> it's all coming out now. Was the first I joined at the, the half term before Christmas. Yeah. Um, and we we were doing a, a, a thing called chariots. Oh yeah. If you've ever come across chariots, have you ever come across that for the community choirs? Who was it by again? <clears throat> John Kirkpatrick. Oh, John Kirkpatrick. We were taught it taking by a little note here, chariots. Okay. Yeah. And um, how is it described as something cacophony, a glorious cacophony? <laughs> because it's, is it five verses and they're all different and all the parts and each verse changes mm. all the way through. So that was my introduction to the community choir. Oh, wow. So when we did the Christmas concert in the marketplace for the, uh, for, the, for the market, the Christmas market, I'd only learned that. <laughs> <laughs> or less. So I was a bit stuck. Um, so I was just singing all sorts of things. It didn't really matter. But we, that sort of thing, you get mixed up a bit. And I was standing next to Kate. I didn't know who she was at the time. I didn't know who she was at the time. But the best way I can describe her is she's like a little wren. <laughs> a little wren. A little <laughs> wren. A tiny little bird. Enormous <laughs> voice, and uh, she was standing. Obviously, normally she's way over with the altar, I was miles away, and you know. But she was stood next to me, and I, wow! <laughs> but as I say, I didn't know who it was then. Uh, it's only later that. that I don't learn who it was uh, when I started going to the pub. Uh, but uh, oh gosh that's brilliant have you ever been called a little wren before no I've never been called a little wren before I've been called a little something else many times (laughs) 
dear. Oh, it's brilliant. Absolutely. Yeah, I was probably belting it out because we were outside. You know, when you're outside, you just yes. oh. and then you knack your voice. <laughs> yeah, I always say with my choir, this is the outdoor edit. And basically that means <laughs> there's no point having any fancy dynamics because you you they'll be lost outdoors anyway. It basically just needs to sing loud all the time. <laughs> Oh dear. Oh well she was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember at all. As she should. As she yeah. should. Yeah. Oh, well, on the on that note, I'm just gonna say thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. It was so lovely to connect with you both again. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you on the 21st of July for the Unsung Heroes celebration at Queen's Hall. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Right. And in this second interview, um, I got to chat with the wonderful Jean Day, who volunteers at Oxfam in Hexham. Let's have a listen to the chat. First of all, just thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. And it's lovely to finally meet you. I know we've we've chatted on Twitter quite a lot, but we've never actually met face to face before. Um, So what would be great is if to start off with, if you could just um, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about how you came to be involved with the Unsung Heroes project in the first place. Well, I do visit the Queen's Hall quite regularly. And I think that's where I spotted it. And of course, I immediately thought of Nancy, who will be producing her 8,000th bag from donated fabrics, as you know. We sell at 99 pence. Uh, I thought she was well worth nominating. So I got in touch. Uh, And you did actually accept a nomination, which was lovely. So that's how I first heard of it. And would you like to tell um, tell our listeners a little bit more about um, the charity that you work for and how you and Nancy are involved? Because not everyone will know that. Well, it's Oxfam in Hexham. It, it used to be one very, very small shop, but it has over the years expanded into a, a lovely fashion shop and a gorgeous bookshop. Uh, which is obviously manned all by volunteers. Nancy is one who produces these fabulous little tote bags, which I've mentioned before. Uh, And lots of other volunteers help keep the place tidy. They sort, they price. Um, It's all run by wonderful people. Everyone is just giving their time freely. And there's so much goodwill. I actually sent out a, a, a tweet the other day saying, what will you find in Oxfam today? And quick as a flash came back a reply, happy people with smiley faces. And that just about sums it up. That is so beautiful. I love that. That's so nice. And you mentioned there, you mentioned there Jean, um, that you put a tweet out and that that um, plays to what your role is with Oxfam, which is it's actually quite an interesting role. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Well, I originally started in the bookshop many in 2020, 2001, I believe. It's a long, long time ago. Uh, I used to first shop there and then I was asked if I'd like to help with the books in the bookshop, so I did. That I did for many years. 
And then my hips began to uh, give up. I had one hip operation and then a second hip operation, which meant I couldn't quite handle the heavy books, but my tongue still waggled and I still thought everybody was worth singing about. So I uh, got the social media job, um, which I do enjoy. I can work from home sometimes, sometimes from bed even. I started this morning at half past seven. Um, I just enjoy singing the praises. It's as simple as that. If something comes in, also people can't be always in the shop. And if something comes in that's extraordinary, I want as many people to know so they can bring in and say, could you reserve it? You know, you don't have to miss out on a bargain. Uh, And it's also lovely just to join the community of other shops and support each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say, I, I fo- obviously I, fo- I follow your account, on Oxfam's account on Twitter, and it is such an engaging and brilliantly run account. And I, I know that I'm not the only person that thinks that because um, the reason that we you ended up being nominated too, obviously, is I spoke to your, I think it's, is it your manager? Do- Dodo. Dodo, yeah. yeah. And she told me this wonderful anecdote how um, your work as a kind of a social media expert had been acknowledged by the wider branch, the wider Oxfam branches as just like really wonderful, really interesting creative content and using that kind of digital platform to engage people, as you said, people that couldn't come to the shop. Um, and so just like massive well done, because it's not an easy thing to do, is it? It's quite difficult. Well, I'm a, I think I'm a bit of a chatterbox. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I do visit the shop and photograph these items, special items, and uh, the lovely people, because we obviously want other people to volunteer. And once they see how nice, what a lovely atmosphere it is, and how hardworking and fun-loving our team are, mm. then obviously we, we do get new recruits, which is lovely. Yeah, It's Volunteer Week, by the way. And Oxfam wants to thank all the volunteers, which is very nice. Nice to be appreciated. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, you've chosen Oxfam as the charity that you want to support. Um, and is there any particular reason why that was the charity that you were attracted to working with? Um, not really. Um, I think it was basically the books that drew me in. Um, and then how nice the people were, obviously. Uh, before that, I'd worked for other charities. Um, I did have a disabled daughter who sadly died. Um, so, so that's how I got into the charity work. It was to uh, meet other people in similar situations and also um, just to help spread the word. That people yes. people help each other. People need each other. Yes, absolutely. And obviously, it is Volunteer Week, as you mentioned. And if people if people are kind of thinking that volunteering is something that they might want to get into, what what would you say were the main reasons why they should go for it? What what's brilliant about volunteering? It's sharing. It's basically sharing, learning new skills. Enjoying each other's company. And we have all sorts of ages, from the, the kids who are at school 
uh, who come on Saturdays and students who come in the summer breaks and obviously the old ladies such as me. Um, and they again, it's just a lovely mix. It works so well. And it's constant laughing and banter. And, but it's a very hard work too because the place has to be kept in strict order and there's so much to do with the sorting of the books, uh, replacing the shelves, dressing the windows. There's, there's all kinds of things to do. Yeah. There's something for everyone. Yes, and I, I really like what you said about how it's a really, really diverse mix of people, that there's lots of, it, it attracts people from a real range of backgrounds, which is wonderful, isn't it? To quote, kind of it's like one big, it's like a big happy family. Yeah. And we, we help each other. If something comes in, we don't know what it is. Then we run around everyone saying, Can it, do, you, do you know what this is? Um, some art, kitchen artifact, which would, it's a bit like... Um, the antiques roadshow sometimes <laughs> <laughs> or an, an extraordinary book comes in or it looks as if it's you just get a, a, a sort of a, a second sense of something that's a little bit different so we do a bit of research and try to be fair to the customer and the donator yeah. it's a fine line but I, I think we get it right yes yeah. obviously if you're donating something you want it to get a decent price. But we also like to keep people happy with a bargain because it makes you smile, you know. Yeah. Our shops are a mix between Aladdin's Cave and Santa's Grotto. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you can get everything from a button to a bedstead, you know. It's yeah. amazing. It's it's also, it's, it's a fun way to shop. Yes, I completely agree. I'm, I'm, it, I just love, 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 love charity shops. So it's such a, it's such an adventure. It's so much more interesting than regular yeah. shopping, isn't it? It's just fabulous. You find things you didn't even know you you needed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And very often we hear a cry of, "Oh, my auntie had one of those." I love it. I love it. I've even been known to buy things back. Oh, what, really? So you donate them, and then you go, oh, actually. Uh, well, on one on one occasion, I donated a dress which I needed for a function later on, and luckily, <laughs> luckily, it hadn't been sold. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> so, is that because you see it in a different light when it's in a shop, and you're like, "Oh, actually, I really like that." Or it was—I think it was just I needed that colour again, you know, and I just donated it a week before. The other, another occasion was when a, a black bag of ironing was donated by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. But that's all part of the fun. I, I think my husband once had to go and buy his jacket back as well. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, this, is so, this is such a brilliant insight into what it's like working at a charity shop. This is amazing. Um, and... Obviously, your job and your job is very different to Nancy's because what one of the things Na Nancy is a crafter, isn't she? And and she actually yes. creates amazing products that the that the Oxfam charity shop sell. Your role is about sort of telling the life and the story of the store online, isn't it? So I guess it's it is quite a different role. But I guess it would be really interesting just to kind of hear from your perspective 
what that's like if it's just kind of do you, do you look and see what's going on in the store and think oh I think that would tell a really good story or what, kind of what inspires you to to look for really good content for that role? Well it also I, I like to promote Hexham too because I, I dearly love Hexham yeah. and the shopkeepers uh, there's so many lovely little businesses and we each support each other if they've got a promotion. It's it's just nice to share the news and they support us again. It's it's just hand in hand, you know. We all want the same thing for Exum, yeah. which is in the process of being renovated. Uh, it's got a new hospital, a new since I went there, a new hospital, a new bus station, and lots of new superstores. But those little shops are the heart, the heart and soul, I think. And that's why people come. Yeah. And of course, the art, the art centre too, and the cinema, it's a, it's a little gem. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is what makes Hexham really special, isn't it? Is that it does have those really unique, in, like in independent shops, and they all have a real sense of community and they sort of support you. Well, we all talk to each other, yes. We communicate, which is which is nice. Yes. And also you touched on Queen's Hall there. And oh, I love Queen's Hall, yes. Yeah, I mean, so lucky to have that as a venue right in the centre. And obviously this project and how I met you for the first, properly for the first time, was through the Unsung Heroes project, which is um, which was commissioned by Queen's Hall. And that's obviously all about celebrating people through writing songs about them. And as you know, you you are you were part of the inspiration for for the song about um, the contribution that volunteers make. And and I guess it would just be really interesting to hear what your musical life is like. Like if you like music, and also perhaps what you think about using music as a way of celebrating people. Like if you think it's a a good way of doing that. Can I start by telling you that as a child of roughly three or four, I went missing. I was found following the Salvation Army Band. <gasps> and oh, I love it. <laughs> it's absolutely true. And it's been charities and music ever since. Oh, that's amazing. So you were just like, you were just carried away by the, the sound? Absolutely. It was like the Pied Piper, absolutely. But my father, my father was a musician. Uh, he worked in the steelworks in Middlesbrough and also played banjo in the evening. And the reason we came to Newcastle was that he, he got, got a job at the uh, Oxford Galleries, which was quite a prestigious place at the time, and where most people met their loved ones in Newcastle, I think. Went to tea dances and wasn't speed dating then. You had to go and meet people. Yeah. So... Um, music's been a big part of my life, yes. Yeah. But how do you feel about music being used to, I guess folk music really being used to tell stories and to kind of celebrate people's contributions? Oh, I, I love them. I love them. My brother said it's like living with Doris Day because I've got a little jukebox in my head. Oh, and I love I, it. I just love singing and I love the words. It's a good aid to memory. Yes. It's amazing how many lyrics you remember of you. You try. Absolutely. And the old folks are well. We used to have a nun came to visit me many, many years ago, and she said, oh, it takes so long to hang these people. <laughs> <laughs> 13 verses. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. 
Yeah, oh, I love that story about you for just following the band just because you wanted to. Well, the other the other musical anecdote I often share with the young youngsters in the family. My dad, as I say, was a musician. Mm. So when the school orchestra was set up, I was quite indignant when they gave me the little triangle. <laughs> I mean, it, you don't use it very often, but then I realised how important it was. So it didn't matter so much. Yeah, but I, I remember the sting of this little thing being given to me. I thought I'd get at least a, a saxophone or something. <laughs> the the indignity of it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I really wanted to do my best. Oh, that's amazing! I but it. I've turned out to be an appreciator, mm. and every musician and performer needs people to clap. And I found that's what I did best. So I, I was quite happy to let the other people perform and I'll, I'll appreciate. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So um, we're kind of coming coming towards the last couple of questions. Um, but it would be, first of all, it'd be really great to, to hear if you've got anything going on coming up that you would really like to kind of ring a bell for, kind of plug uh, anything that's happening perhaps in the shop or anything that you're involved with that you'd kind of really like people to know about? Well, the shop is, it's a different shop every day because we get new donations. It's a constant surprise. So whilst you, you could shout about something one day, it's vanished. It, it, they just vanish off the shelves. Yeah. And the windows are constantly, what pleased to say, constantly refreshed. Yeah. So it, it's just a fresh experience every day. I guess my final question, this is a funny one. Some people who've been asked this have felt a little bit awkward about it. But how does it feel to be nominated as an unsung hero? Well, I was totally surprised, to be honest. I was so so wrapped up in promoting and, and nominating Nancy, who was my absolute hero, may I say. Um no, I really didn't expect it was, but very, I'm sure the family would be quite delighted to to know. Um, and I do, I do thank you very much. Well, I'm just delighted to have had a chance to speak to you and to hear some of your wonderful stories. And I, I this is the, my favourite thing about being involved in this project, is that I get to meet people and hear really interesting, fascinating stories that I never, ever would have known about otherwise. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time. So what do we take from those conversations? Dominic, do you want to, do you want to start us off? What brilliant people, for starters, I just, Loved what Stephen was saying about food and, and you know, <laughs> how food is kind of a really not the most important part of what he does, even though that's obviously where he feels most comfortable. Yeah. You know, hear him talking about when you ask him about conducting and he's like, oh, no, I really enjoyed making the food. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in in those settings and in that way, food is the, is the way that you share your care for others, yeah. isn't it? It's how you make other people feel valued. And I think that's that's what he's doing there. He hides behind, sorry, Stephen, but he kind of <laughs> hides behind the statement. I just think it's normal. Well, it's it's obviously not normal, is it? Uh, yeah. And, and I think um, he's really humble and and a bit uh, too uh, self-effacing, really, because what he's doing is obviously really valuable. Yeah. Yeah. It made me think as well of 
about how volunteers make the world go round. Yeah. And, and definitely here at the Queen's Hall, we couldn't put on a single event without a volunteer. So we use volunteer stewards to support the staff putting on every event. And without them, we wouldn't have any events in the Queen's Hall and we just wouldn't be able to function. And it's obviously the same um, for lots of organisations, professional, non-professional communities. And but volunteers don't necessarily see it like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What did you get, Bridie? What did you take from that conversation? Well, I, I have to say, I, I just love their friendship. I just think they're really fun together. And they obviously, there's just so much mutual respect and, and just love. They're just really good pals. Um, and I, fi- I just always find that really moving to be around people that, you know, just have this like really lovely bond. And yeah. the fact that Stephen is not only a really kind giving volunteer, but he's obviously just also a really kind friend. And I think maybe those are some kind of connected, sort of a, a bit of a, some connected skills and some co- a kind of connected uh, sentiments in that. And I, mm-hmm. I just really enjoyed that. And also he was just really funny. Like you say, Dominic, <laughs> he was really self-effacing. Um, but that was it, was, it was a kind of a pleasure to interview him because he was just very funny and kind of, dry about what yeah. he does and, and and kind of the the sort of the enjoy enjoyable but slightly uncomfortable nature of being praised and you could tell he actually really likes it but, he kind of <laughs> <laughs> but like I, but also finds it really awkward which is very normal behavior I suppose I think we're all a little bit like that aren't we we kind of love being praised yeah. but it's also a bit awkward at the same time yeah what, what do you say you know <laughs> Yeah. Very British. And it also made me laugh um, the bit about the picture with the apron and Nick constantly appearing. And it made me think of the Hex and Crant always use a picture of me stood in front of the Queen's Hall with my arms open. And and they made me stand like that. Now they use it all the time. It's like the most unnatural thing that I would never have done. But kind of follows you around. I think the best thing is just not to look at it if you're in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I completely get that why it kind of follows you around the world. <laughs> so good. Brilliant. Oh. You know, Jean was just like a joy to listen to, really. Again, it was just a normal day for her to be doing the work she was doing. It was really lovely to hear. She, it, she said something that I hadn't uh, thought about, actually which was about the price that they get for the stuff in the, yeah. in the in the shop and about being fair to the donor. And I yeah. never thought, because whenever I go into a charity shop, I'm just looking for the best bargain I can find, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it never occurred to me that, it, that often, you know, you need to get a fair price for the person who's donated the item as well. Because they would, you know, you would, if you give something to a charity shop and they've just sell it for buttons, you would be a bit like, no, oh, a bit disappointed, wouldn't you? So... But we do all like it when we find that item, don't we? That people didn't realise what quite what it was. Yeah, yes, that's the joy as well, isn't it? Yeah, she was aware of that as well. You could tell because she was also immediately after saying that she says, but also trying to help people find a bargain as well. So she's like, yeah, really smart. Yeah. And you also, Dominic, just before we came on air, you were reflecting on her sort of style on Twitter, which I thought I thought that was really lovely. What you said about that. You ask her about it and she says she's a chatterbox. Yeah. And it made me realise that she just uses Twitter like an extension of a kind of family communication with her family and friends, which is what makes her Twitter so warm and 
yeah. and, and why she's got so many followers as well, you know, you can tell that there's a human being at the other end, you know, whereas us kids, I say, you know, <laughs> saying you, nobody can see me with sitting here with my big grey beard. <laughs> but we kind of know that the Twitter's a bit bigger and a bit scarier, but I wish more people used Twitter like Jean. Yeah, yeah, because she uses it a lot to, to, as she mentioned in the interview, kind of to raise other people up and yeah. particularly support other local businesses and, and to really kind of affirm that sense of community within the centre of Hexham, which I just think is absolutely lush. Yeah. Also, her interview was just hilarious. Like, it was such a kind of hilarious sort of insight into what it's like working in a charity shop and some of her amazing stories about people like accidentally donating laundry. This <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> is absolutely epic. And there's a brilliant story about how she um, she gives she gave something to the charity shop and then regretted it and went back and bought it for herself. <laughs> it's, like, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. But we all like those behind the scenes stories, don't we? We all like to know what what's going on. Like everybody wants a behind the scenes tour at the Queen's Hall, even though we don't think it's very exciting. But it's <laughs> yes. those little yeah. things that bring it to life and, and um, those ordinary things and those ordinary stories, but told in a really funny and interesting way. So no wonder she's got so many people, not just on Twitter, but her fam- family and friends who enjoy listening to those stories. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, and it was nice to hear she comes into Queen's Hall as well. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of support and uh, Kelly, our marketing lead, is often talking about let's do more things uh, with Oxfam because they're great and they, <laughs> and they yeah. shout about us and so it feels like a real shared thing when we do yeah. work together yeah yeah absolutely Love. so as you know all of these amazing stories that we've uncovered have led to the creation of some new songs and this particular song is called A Letter of Thanks Never Sent and I think we're going to hear just a small snippet of it right now For believing kindness is a gift That gives both ways For seeing more than need in all you meet There for us, come what may If I told you this, I know you'd say There's no time for glory, rewards or praise No time to wear a crown When you're building on broken ground Bridie, who's performing in that? So that is the wonderful local stalwart Ian Brown recording that particular version of the song. Amazing. Thank you. Um, so let's wrap up you can find out more about everything that's happening at Queen's Hall by visiting queenshall.co.uk on the internet and by searching for us on all social media platforms um, to find out what's happening on a day to day basis thank you Bridie thank Thank you you, Katie thank you see you again we'll see you next time bye bye bye